Listener discretion is advised, as the Ebenistas podcast may contain suggestive and or triggering themes and overall adult content. Oh, f- <laughs> Let me know when we're recording. We are. We're here. Oh, okay. So now. All right. Um, yeah. Sorry. The thing I was going to ask you was, what are you drinking tonight? I have some Bacardi and Dr. Pepper. That sounds like my mouth. I know, right? Feels sticky. It's fine. It's okay. Your face does not say it's fine. It tastes like rum and coke. Like it's just, it's not bad. It's just, I already had a bottle of like Dr. Pepper. Well, so it's Dr. Pepper cream soda mix. And then I just put some rum in there because that's what I had. And I was already drinking it. So it's literally like a lazy drink, but it's not bad. Honestly, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it drinking it again. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just imagining my mouth right now, like just filled with sugar. Um, but that that's because I also had, um, you know what I found this week? I didn't know this, but um, what's that company? Pinnacle? Mm-hmm. Um, they had a pumpkin spice vodka. And How I know you need pumpkin you? spice. I know. But then I found a recipe for a pumpkin spice. All of, first of all, all the ones I found, first of all, had cream in them. And then I found one without it, of course. It was really good. I was going to ask you. you your face to me. I, I, I turned my back to you once you started talking about pumpkin spice. I, I want no parts. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Is there a vegan alternative for cream? Like heavy cream? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have one in my fridge actually right now. Oh. Um, It's um this company called Silk. Um, They make, oh, you'll see. Yeah, I know. Milks. Silk. Yeah. Yeah. They make a heavy cream. They make a heavy whipping cream. And I actually use them uh, over the holidays to make my desserts. And it worked out perfectly. Nice. They're so good. Nice. So good. Nice. Let's get started. So, ooh. Yay. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ebenezer's Podcast. I'm Doreen. And we have my co-host with the most immature comments, Jabby. <laughs> God, I wish you guys could see her face. She's like... <gasps> What? <laughs> You're exactly correct. Vagina. Vagina, vagina, vagina. Hi, it's Javi. <laughs> so in case you haven't figured it out by now, today's topic is centered around women's wellness, <laughs> but specifically cervical health. Why, you ask? Because too often women go undiagnosed through unnecessary pain and sometimes even pass away because they don't know what to look for or realize that pain should not be a part of your everyday life. Too often these concerns go unvoiced because it's uncomfortable conversation, but we're going to dive into it. Men, don't worry. If you're listening, we're going to answer some questions that you probably never knew you had. So tune in. But I will also say this. um, A lot of women find out about sex and their bodies and what to expect and what not to expect from the men that they have entrusted their hearts to. And sometimes the women, whomever you entrust your body and heart to, they shouldn't be the ones to answer all your question. Too often women learn about sex and their bodies and what's normal and not normal from their partners. Sometimes it's a man, sometimes it's a woman, but it should be from a reliable medical source, which to be clear, we are not uh, licensed professionals in any way. So please go and do your own research. Hit, uh, hit up Google, type it in and figure out what's going on. If you have any questions, any doubts, Go to Google, do your own research. And so I have a question for you, Jabby. Mm -hmm. 
have yeah. you ever been told something by a partner or a former partner, current partner that was incorrect? Like about my body? Yeah. Um, no, honestly, um, I would have to say, I don't think I ever have most of the people I've dated were either themselves very well versed in sex education or just kept their mouth shut. <laughs> like it just was not something that they felt like they needed to speak on and they were good listeners about anything that I possibly brought up. Okay, wait, no, I will give you this. So, but this happened really early on um, and I thought it was really funny. So I remember when I finally did grow hair down there I was super proud of it. I was like, yes, finally, like womanhood, like I'm an adult, all this feeling, right? And I remember this guy was like, there's too much down there. And I was like, excuse you, I spent X amount of years growing this and I am a woman and you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> I am not gonna get rid of this. Like, so that was one time I do remember like, Ask me the person's name. I don't know. It was that insignificant. I don't know. Maybe that's TMI, mom, dad. Hopefully dad's not listening. Mom, I'm sure you don't care. <laughs> I had a guy that faked an allergy attack to hide the fact that he had prematurely ejaculated. And he told me that it was because of the amount of perfume that I had on. And I thought that was part of the whole process. So young, naive Doreen, I was like, okay. And so I never wore perfume for like 10 years after this event. I did not wear perfume or any sort of like perfume lotion because I was afraid that I would trigger someone. And then like he finally confessed that he just was trying to hide the fact that that happened from me because we hadn't even started anything at that point. I, <laughs> I, yeah. Doreen. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into this a little bit more. This is the, the part of the issue, right? We haven't even like like touch the surface of the, the information that we want to talk about, right? So with that being said, um, really quick. So I think this is really interesting before <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed about this. So when I was in high school, I remember me and my friends, um, and I still remember this because I was in the wrong and which is fine. I mean, you're young, you don't know everything, but do you, we don't, do you know all the parts of the female genitalia? Yes. You do? Yes. Because I realized recently that I was calling them all the wrong names. And I was like, I need to do better. Okay. I'm looking at like a little thing, a little map on my computer. A diagram? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I've been in school. Leave me alone. Um... That's not an excuse. It's not, it's not. All right. Like literally, and now I'm looking at this list and there's something called Bartholin's glands. Yes. I've never heard of that. I'm not going to lie. I've heard of everything else here. Never heard about this, but it makes sense. I was like, yeah, why wouldn't it be called that? Um, But I was going to ask you if you know what everything is and if you know what everything does. Are we in school now? Because... I just wanted to know, just really quick, just really quick. I just need to know. So I, I mean, because I don't. I have a. I mean, I'm not going to say I memorized everything. I, I memorized the important parts: the labia, um, the labia minora, majora, 
Um, and then there's the, oh man, I shouldn't have started drinking before you asked me these questions. I didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz. I wasn't ready. <laughs> womp womp. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not here. The clitoris, the actual vagina, because you you're say clitoris? everything down there is not. Yeah. Clitoris. Mm-mm, clitoris. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's agree to disagree. Clitoris. <laughs> I don't like the way you say it. It sounds like clitoris. Hmm. So in another life, I was also British in my head. So sometimes that happens with some of the words that I say. Like I now cannot say the word advertisement properly, like in the American way, because I love it so much that I honestly forgot how to say it without advertisement. 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 It sounds. So just found out that if you hit the space bar, that's also mute. I was gesturing emphatically and I hit the space bar and apparently that's mute. So I learned something today. I just saw your hands moving and I was like, we just missed all of that. Sorry, I had to burp. Okay. Women burp? That's a thing. Oh, speaking of which, so. Don't tell me they fart too. (gasps) Oh. Gasp. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, speaking of which, free advertisement. Advertisement. This is my favorite beer. Don't look at my nails, by the way. Don't look at my nails. Please don't. Is that Dwight? Who? The Reverend. The Reverend. This is from Avery. This is the beer that made me love beers. Nice. (sighs) All right. Now that we've talked about vaginas and Avery. When Jabby and I first started talking about creating a podcast, we struggled to find a way to record in two different states without it sounding terrible. And that's where Squadcast comes in. Yes, Squadcast has been a lifesaver for noobs like ourselves. Squadcast makes it simple to record studio quality shows. It does the hard part of separating individual audio tracks without the fuss of chords that connect here and there and go there and all that nonsense. Facts. So find the plan that works best for you with flexible pricing that Squadcast has to offer and upgrade your podcasting life. Visit our link at ebonistas.com on the sponsor page and get a seven day free trial. Happy recordings. All right. I wanted to start from the very beginning. A very good place to start. You don't know where that's from. Aww. Um, Still a deer, a female deer. Hey, a tropical yeah. We're going to start with the beginning of the pap smear. And guess what it starts with? A guy. Of course. <sighs> Unfortunately, um, our history as women, um, a lot of it is dominated by men. as medic- um, And it just was a matter of society, right? Um, women, we were kind of put to the sidelines as far as what was available to us and what was expected of us as far as are you in the kitchen or are you going to be a career person? And a lot of times we were in the kitchen. So, well, it wasn't socially accepted for women to be in scientific or medical fields. So exactly. Mostly had to be, you know, in the home creating, you know, all these wonderful dinners and elaborate decorations and, yeah. They they definitely it was very divided at the time. Jello macaroni salads, basically. Gross. Burn oh, it. God. To the ground. Anyways, so the Pap Smear dude, his name was Dr. George Papa Nicolo. Papa Nicolo. <laughs> he 
was a physician scientist who was credited with the discovery of the test in the early 20th century. His research focused on the cellular changes of the reproductive tract. In 1928, Papinicolo <laughs> found that cancerous cells from the cervix could be detected by smearing a swab from the cervix onto a microscopic slide. Yay! So, because, as you can imagine, in the early 1920s, that wasn't exactly a favorite of the popular culture. Like, they they weren't really swarming to find out this information. Mm -hmm. So, he had to figure out other ways to make a living. So, for a little while, he was a rug salesman. He was a clerk at a newspaper, a violinist, violinist at a Greek restaurant. And so, while Dr. Papin... Oh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Papin Kalau move his cycle studies onto human subjects since his work centered around guinea pigs he was like okay how do i figure out a way to do this on people so he did what most men did at the time he used his wife his wife mary y'all get this lady a trophy a drink something because he did daily pap smears on this woman for 21 years if she if that's not love like if she didn't love him i don't know what what is like this she loved that man and she believed in him because pap smears daily son y'all it is no so because of his love of science and him, him trying to further his career she endured all this and it wasn't enough it wasn't enough that he just used his wife he also asked her friends y'all her friends to come through and get a little pap smear action too so is it like that biggie song and it's like bring your friends we could be friends too. <laughs> how do you so i want you to imagine what that conversation is like hey girl hey yeah you know my husband's a doctor oh my god a doctor so fancy um Ooh. oh okay um yeah but he's studying like you know like how to figure out when someone is ovulating when they're not Ooh. why don't you just swing by we'll have a tupperware party or like a little oh, okay. you know cookies and cake and tea yeah. and he'll just do a quick swab of your vagina no big deal so multiple how do you how do you agree to that but um what you had me at tupperware and cookies maybe the tea right he wants me to do wait swab what yeah so i <laughs> i have a lot of questions as to how she was able to convince her friends to get in on this action but because of this work that he did he was actually able to diagnose one of her friends with cervical cancer from looking at it on the swab on the microscope so these vaginal smear parties somehow created this wonderful thing that we know called the pap smear which screens for cervical cancer amongst other things so lo and behold um he was able to experience the greatest thrill in his entire scientific career because of these pap smear parties I, wait, hold on. Did they literally refer to it as a pap smear party? Oh, no, that's coined by Doreen Etienne, uh, right here by me. Me. <laughs> just, just coined I'm it. Just in my head right now. Because, like, you know, you have Botox parties, you've got like Tupperware parties. And in my head, I'm like just thinking about like friends, like these women just like going into these stirrups and they're like, okay, girl, like, here's your champagne. And like, okay, stirrups, you're in there. <laughs> and they're just like, Ooh, yeah. Ow. Okay, that's a little weird. Okay, but I'm okay, girl. Okay, here's yeah. your champagne. Okay, here we go. <laughs> like, I just I can't imagine how that went down and like how she wasn't suspicious that like you just trying to hook up with my friends though, right? Like I know you always had your eye on Keisha, but uh, you know, like I just <laughs> he's over there like Elizabeth looks great. She's <laughs> quite the looker. 
And you know what? She has healthy cells. Yeah. So even with him being able to find this uterine cancer, though, it took over 10 years for him to validate and prove this to the scientific community. So even with this, it wasn't enough. Oh, you mean 10 years to prove that women possibly have something more to their bodies than just creating babies? Yeah. That possibly like they're not perfect beings and like you know maybe they need medical attention too and maybe we can help them before shit goes sideways yeah because at this time cervical cancer was the leading cause of death for women wow freaking crazy freaking crazy so the history of women's health also relates back to slavery of course um you know there's experimentation including surgery which was done involuntarily and done without anesthetics, which led to many discoveries in modern gynecology. I love that in both takes, I got something wrong. It doesn't matter. So I would say, I, I've said this recently. Oh my wow. God, you're not a robot? How is this possible? Gas, <laughs> shock. I have a case of the vapors. What the fuck is that? The vapors? No, what is that? You've never heard of the vapors? The vapors? So they they faint. Is that like from like way the back? Vapors. Oh, Margaret, it's the vapors. <sighs> yeah, that's that's the whole thing. We have like a fan. Yeah. Oh my God, I love it. That's great. Discoveries, we love it. You know, science moving forward. Um, and I mean, this goes for all kinds of surgery, right? Um, but obviously we're talking right now about female health. Um, but my question here is, what if they had waited for willing participants for these types of surgeries and experimentations? Um, what would they have missed? What would they have, you know, I don't know, like without anesthetics, would they have missed other types of things that happened within the body? You know what I mean? So I'm going to say this, whether we are conscious or unconscious, it's just the difference in feeling pain, especially when it comes to down there. I don't think they would have missed much, to be honest. And I think that if they offered to pay anything, that a lot of people probably would have signed up at that time because there was there really weren't a lot of ways to make money. So I feel like the pain was because mm. they, they yeah. were desensitized to a lot of the slaves. They felt like they weren't humans. They didn't feel pain as much as other people did. They, they definitely had created a whole stereotype around them that involved you know, a lot of these slaves begin constant pain, agony, anguish, and that was normal. They were a little sadistic, I feel like, because it wasn't necessary at all, at all, to me, in my opinion. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, it didn't matter. Anyways, the slaves could handle the pain. Anyways, they'll survive. They're, they're... And if they don't, no big deal. Exactly. They're, they're dispensable. So, but I, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to say like specifically as slaves, I mean, I mean, as just humans in particular like if they would we have made the medical advancements that we've had if we had anesthesia to... back then you know what i mean like what if there's connections certain connections i don't know down there i don't know or anywhere in the body for any type of surgery that could get missed if we didn't know that that caused pain in that particular area if we had anesthesia back then but even now with gynecological exams and certain tests and there's still a lot of pain involved for women yeah. where they're like, oh, well, take some ibuprofen, you know, while we scrape at your insides. No big deal. 
you know, but I feel like the same wouldn't be said for, for necessarily for men who had to go through something similar. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not a guy. So we probably should ask a guy, like, do you guys have to go through a lot of pain when you get tested? Do they have to like stick something in there and swab around? Like, does that hurt? I don't know. I anyway. I mean, at least I've heard that there's certain tests that they have to do because yeah, you, if you get a certain type of STD, you get, I get a swab up in there and all that stuff, dude. Okay. So I know you remember this 90 day fiance, the episode where Michael and Angela, baby girl, do you remember my baby girl, Angela gets her it's baby girl, Lisa, Oh, baby girl, Lisa. There you go. Okay. My bad. Wrong. Whatever person, the crazy person. Cause God, she's crazy. Um, she gets an exam and it's it's a swipe of and yes they can be uncomfortable the cervical exams if you have oh to you're talking about angela yeah wait okay with michael and angela and yeah that's what i said angela the first time right and then i was saying it's baby girl lisa but then you were like okay baby girl lisa i was like no 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 but it's still angela but the baby girl goes with lisa as a person and it's just michael and angela and yeah that's it who's i thought he calls her baby girl that's that's the other guy in the newer season, the rapper. Two different, two different oh Nigerian men. Oh my god! Men. Yes, totally different. Two different Nigerian men. Sorry, my bad. I got my Nigerian, my young Nigerian men mixed up with my older white American women. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so Angela goes in for um, uh, not a pap smear, but she goes in for um, what are they? An the ultrasound. And not an old, but not the ultrasound, the one where they, um, they get a scraping of the cervix. A pap smear. No, it wasn't. It was a biopsy. It's the biopsy. Okay. I don't know exactly what the name of it is. And I forgot. And I should know because I've had one before, but it's the biopsy. When your pap smear comes back irregular, they call you back in so you can get a biopsy. So they can double check what's going on. And I just thought this just made me think about it because I was so fucking annoyed. She gets it and she literally screams for bloody murder. She's never gotten one. This woman is 60 something years old. You can tell that she's probably barely gone to a gynecologist before. You know, she's had, I don't know how many children she's had. They don't really specify that, but she has like 20 something grandchildren. I'm exaggerating, but that's what it seems like when they all bust through the door um but she's screaming for bloody murder while she's getting this exam and the doctor is like and she's like oh my god it's so painful and it was hell and da 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 and like the doctor's like well i can give you this medication if you want if it's that bad and she's like yes yes please give it to me yeah yeah and the doctor like they give the side interview and the doctor's like i've never given anyone this medication for this like it's never this bad like it's not like basically saying like she's faking the pain for this kind of thing, but sorry. It just made me think about that. Like the pain that the, the differences of pain that people can feel or whatever, but I don't know if she was here or there. If she really felt that. So I will say <laughs> this, <laughs> I will say this. It is extremely painful. And I don't think that I feel like a lot of, again, this is part of what I said in my, when we first started talking about this was that pain should not be a regular part of your life. And it shouldn't be something that medical professionals convince you is okay to feel for just a few minutes. Like you'll be fine. And I can't believe she complained. 
that's becoming desensitized to the fact that you literally stuck something inside of her and you were clawing at her insides. Yes, that's extremely painful. If someone did that to your throat, you would probably scream too. And so I, I feel like that's, I feel like a lot of medicine has failed women in terms of how much pain we have to endure on a regular basis and what's considered acceptable and what is considered unacceptable. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. You're totally right. You're totally right. I could have been looking at that. I totally looked at that as a totally different way. Maybe it's because of my annoyance, maybe looking at that from a viewer of someone watching reality TV, but you're totally right. Um, people have different feelings. People have different body types. And what's painful for one person may not necessarily be painful for the other, but doesn't take away from that other person's pain. Right. It reminds me of Henrietta Lacks. And like all the stuff. So when she she had given birth quite a few times, and then the last time she gave birth, the doctors, without her knowledge or consent, went in and they scraped some of her cells from her like cervix. And those were the cells that they used to create so many of the modern vaccines. And she never got credit for it ever. And while she was alive, who? Wait, I'm sorry, I've never heard about this. You've never heard of Henrietta Lacks? No, girl, Google Teach it. Me. Yes, yes. It's they made a movie about her. Um, her genetic cell is one of the few that they could actually manipulate in a way that they could use it for a lot of the vaccines that we use today. So wow. they basically found a gold mine in just taking some of her cells. Wow. She died, had no idea any of this was happening. Eventually her children found out and they sued. And because so many companies made millions of dollars off of these vaccines and they never even had her consent to do this in the first place. Henrietta Lacks, please look it up. Wow. I'm definitely going to look that up. Hopefully in the future, maybe we could ha do an episode on that because that's amazing. I'm telling you, the the medical uh, companies are fucking sketch and anyone that doesn't believe so, uh, you're a fool. You're a freaking fool if you do not think that the medical conglomerates are like just out here to make cash. Yeah. Anyways, so... <laughs> Speaking of making cash and making people feel like, I don't know, some type of way, here we go. So <laughs> the next topic is about women and sanity and the womb. Hysteria and your, it was pronounced as neurasthenia, neurasthenia, synthenia, anyway. Um, basically, <laughs> uh, hysteria was something that a lot of women were diagnosed with. And um, here's how they describe it. It is an alleged mental health condition that explained away any behaviors or symptoms that made men uncomfortable. According to Dr. Savages, some symptoms of hysteria were a swollen abdomen, suffocating angina, chest pain, or shortness of breath. So basically, you had a panic attack. If you were like bloated from having your period <laughs> or something, if you were having chest pain, any sort of like, hold on. So basically for me, like if I had any wheat, which I have a sensitivity to, like I had, or beer, like I had a lot of beer that day and a lot of bread and my stomach, my abdomen area got a little swollen. <laughs> That's a sign of hysteria for me. Yeah. Um, so let, I'm going to go down the list. Difficulty swallowing, cold extremities, tears and laughter. <laughs> Okay, y'all, tears and laughter, um, yawning, being tired was hysteria, stretching and yawning, delirium, a close and driving pulse, and an abundant 
and, and clear urine. So if you were well hydrated and were peeing clear, that means that you had hysteria. If you were showing any sort of emotional response to something, you were hysterical. And so they had to treat your hysteria. It, it's, it's so crazy. Um, but again, this was at a time where everything was very male dominated. And a lot of these things were things that did not affect men. Men don't have a cycle, so they don't bloat and, you know, contract. They don't have a lot of the same things. They're not as tired as women um, because they, they led a much different life at the time. Um, tears and laughter were literally a sign of hysteria. So if you showed emotion, that was hysteria. You had to get treated. So, all right, what do you have on this subject? You know what? Can I say something about that really quick? Please. And I have to say, I, to this day, still give myself a hard time when I'm on my cycle. Like, okay, first of all, we're always on our cycle. I don't think a lot of people understand that fact. Women are constantly on some type of cycle. There's literally probably, I think, like a few days of the month where we're not doing anything with our bodies, but our bodies are constantly doing something. They're either getting ready for their period, they're on their period, they're after their period, blah, 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 whatever it is, right? I don't give myself enough space to realize that the things that I may be feeling, the things that my body is doing are because of that, are probably because of that. I don't think I do that enough. I don't know. So it's like every month I magically get amnesia and I forget that my cycle's coming. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, why am I so irritated? Everything's getting on my nerves and I'm so upset and this person hurt my feelings and I'm just, I can't deal. And then I'm like, and then my peers are so I'm like, Oh, that's what it was. Every month never fails. It always feels like I'm about to lose my shit. And imagine feeling like you don't have control over your body or your emotions or how to process things. And that's how it is every month for women. All the time. It's fucking like you literally. I remember when I I I realized that a few years ago and I was like, can you imagine? Like, I don't think men really understand that. Like, and as much as some women may try and say, oh no, like I have a control over this. I have control of that. I'm sorry, but your our bodies are for a certain amount of years, decades, our bodies are constantly producing hormones and doing this thing every month. So we literally do not have control of certain parts of our attitudes, of our reactions to things. Um, Yes, in the grand scheme of things, I think we do. But I mean, when we find ourselves like we're just really low and we're like, why are we so fucking low? And it's really strange for some reason. It's just like, yeah, I forget too. I forget too. I'm like, and sometimes Doreen, you and I, I mean, we live across the country from each other and we still sync up sometimes. And that's creepy. And we still are like, we have certain types of feelings, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh yeah, Doreen, um, I feel some type of way. Are we starting our periods? And you're like, I think so. Or like, yeah, girl, we're like about to. And surprise, here we are. We just should call this, oh my God, the title of this episode should be TMI. No, it's not too much information. It's the exact right amount of information that we need to be sharing about women's health. I like But them being ignorant, I I apologize. No, no, I like (laughs) it. I like it. I feel it. I feel it with my whole soul. I like it. I'm almost done with my beer, so we're going to re-up. But- Listen, we're getting off track. Even though we're, we're on track, but we're off track. But listen, um, the leading cause of hysteria, guess what? The overuse of the female mind. Of 
course, that's the reason for hysteria. So the increase of um, the diagnosis of it, the increase of the diagnosis of hysteria came at the same time that women were increasingly seeking higher education. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, listen, hysterical women were prescribed months long bed rest with no visits from friends or family and absolutely no mentally strenuous activities such as reading and writing. And you know what, guys, I'm not going to lie, but they could add math to that and I'd be fine with it at this point because fuck math. I hate it. It's, it's not my thing. So basically what people, and by people, I mean men wanted women to do was they wanted women to save their energy so they could do what? They wanted to focus on them being better wives and better mothers, or else they would be doomed to miserable lives. So, or madness. Uh, That's fucking amazing. Wow. So in other words, if you weren't the perfect wife or the perfect mother, you would be miserable. That was what they told people, what they told women. If you weren't there, you would just be miserable. Sorry. That's it. That doesn't make any sense. And then it just became the norm for women to be admitted to psych wards if they didn't accept this way of life. If they wanted to seek something more or they felt trapped or whatever, that's what they did to women. (laughs) Again, to remind you guys that one of the signs of hysteria was laughing and crying. So you could be sent to a psych ward for the slightest (laughs) display of emotion. Like it's crazy, but the biggest one that I wanted to mention is, um, I don't know if you know the story. Have you seen this movie, the changeling with, um, Angelina Jolie? Did you ever see that one? Mm -mm. You would really like that movie. It's a mystery kind of thing. Yeah. They try to replace her son. Yes. And it's a true story. It's a great movie. It's a great movie about, you know, all this about how they treated women back then. And then also about a murder mystery. It's also part of true crime as well. So um, Christine Collins, 1928, um, she's this woman who her son goes missing. And all of a sudden, one day, they're like, we found your son, blah, blah, blah. She goes to be reunited with him. And then she's like, that's not my fucking kid. And she has this group of men in law enforcement doctors, all the stuff that are saying, that's your kid. You're just fucking psychotic. And you're just full of grief. And you're, you just went through this traumatic thing where your son was missing and blah, blah, blah. And she the whole time is saying, that is not my son. That's not my son. They end up sending her to a psych ward, you know, for, she spent some time there, what have you. Um, honestly, I can't remember how the whole thing ended. But it was just bullshit because she, it it ended up not being her son. And honestly, it ended up um, being the suggestion that during that time, her son was a victim of a serial killer. And I think it was called the, I bet there's some people right there that are probably like, duh, Jabby, why don't you know this? Um, The Chicken Coop Murders. But if you watch that movie, they'll kind of dive into that a little bit more. But um, yeah. That was, it's just how easy it was for them to dis, dismiss women and the fact that she knew that wasn't her kid and they were just like no you're wrong fuck it you're going to a psych ward you're crazy 
Like that's totally wrong. I'm not really sure how to segue from that one. Uh, Cause I haven't seen the movie. So I don't really have a lot to say about, I don't know what happened. So I really can't say much, but I will continue our conversation about Dr. Sauvage's Sauvage. Um, he agreed with his predecessors that this condition primarily affected women and that men are only rarely hysterical. So any display of emotion, but according to him, okay, sexual deprivation was often the cause of female hysteria. To illustrate this, he presented the case study of a man, I'm sorry, of a nun affected by hysteria who became cured only when a well-wishing barber took it upon himself to pleasure her. And that somehow cured her hysteria. All right, y'all. So who's not in a better mood after they get some, you know, little loving? Um, but like, I'm trying to figure out how this came about to be. Why was the nun getting her hair cut? Why was the barber there? I have so many questions, but also we know that nuns are abstinent so i'm sure it helped her mood to get a little d on the side anyway um just another fun fact the treatment of hysteria was also how a lot of dildos and sex toys came to be because they created ways for women to treat their hysteria by manually stimulating themselves until they reached an orgasm which somehow magically cured their hysteria uh, another way of treating it was uh, through mesmerism. So they would mesmerize these these women and they would suddenly be all better. I've got so many issues with this. <laughs> I have so many issues <laughs> with this and so many simple answers. And a lot of the simple answer is if men just paid attention to women, like just if you just took them seriously during those times, if you paid attention to their needs as wives, as mothers, as girlfriends, as friends. And then if you had them as girlfriends or wives, if you just pleasured them and thought about them rather than yourselves, rather than thinking about them as just reproductive beings, that's where all this stems from. Like, then we wouldn't be fucking stuck or think about them as human beings. Why, of course we're fine after you fucking pleasure us. Like, we're happy. Duh, ta-da. So ta-da. So we're men. Exactly. Yeah, like You're not an asshole. All of a sudden you want to adorn me with flowers and like all this stuff. It still happens today. Like it's, duh, like nature of the beast. So listen, obviously, why are we talking about hysteria? It was determined by the geniuses, males, that female nervous disorders were directly connected to a woman's reproductive organs. Result? Procedures including the removal of the uterus and ovaries were considered logical treatment options. And remember, people in general have an innate will to trust medical professionals. So during the Victorian era, a large group of women requested that these procedures be done to them. It was suggested that women use these procedures to their advantage, though, to avoid societal pressures to have or continue having children. So this I found really interesting once I read it. Um, the fact that women weren't just using it as a way to cure these ideas of having hysteria or what have you, these ideas of hysteria that were instilled 
into society, but they were like, oh, well, we don't want to keep having children. We don't want to keep being used as these baby making machines. And I've had five girls. He wants a boy and da da da. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to have a hysterectomy. Like, fuck this, you know? So I thought it was pretty interesting that women started to kind of come up on the game and they're just like, fuck this. I'm just going to have the doctor take this all out. You know what I mean? There are a lot of physicians that try to, to treat hysterectomies with electroshock therapy and genital manipulation as treatment. <laughs> um, neurologist and psychotherapist Sigmund Freud. Haha, it's your mother. <laughs> That's our doctor. Or your father. Your mother. Your Well, his main thing was you want to have sex with your mom, right? And women want to have sex with their dads. Dads. Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. You just want to have sex with your parents, basically. Oedipal complex and then the electro complex. Yeah. <laughs> um, he basically further popularized the usage of hypnosis into the 20th century. And then the 1900s gave us the widespread use of, of electricity. And so surprise, what do we have with electricity? electro massage you guys can't see my fingers a little unless you're watching the video but massage machines um for at home use were used to treat hysteria um and we know what that means right i mean that masturbation yeah yeah that's that's the that's the word that we were going for um <laughs> Just like anything else in the medical field, advances were made and the studies of hysteria kind of fell to the wayside. And in the mid 20th century, um, much more modern um, diagnosis kind of took over. Um, and so those were, the hysteria was, was replaced by more modern mental health diagnosis. So such as um, anxiety, depression, um, PTSD, things like that. Those kind of took over where hysteria once was. So that's where we are now. Yep, because it looked like hysteria was sort of a general catch-all for you're acting like a girl. Yeah. So yeah, hysteria was a general catch-all for acting like a girl, expressing feelings, you know, being sexually frustrated, being unhappy with your life, being, you know, desiring to be more than a mom uh, or a wife, all that hysteria. It was total fucking bullshit that being sexually frustrated was only a, seems like it was only a female thing. It wasn't a male thing, but we clearly know that it's it's both male and female. Well, well, the reason for that is because men at the time were, it was very common and like socially accepted mm -hmm. that they would go to brothels and they would be serviced That's by true. women who were professionals. Your wife was not expected to provide you sexual pleasure. She was simply there to, you know, help your needs and to procreate. That's true. But women for pleasure solely. That's true. That's true. It's like, you're right. You're right. Because I guess... Back then it was like women, you know, you, you have your wife, you, you profess your marriage before God, um, have your wife to have children and procreate, you procreate just for God and anything else. But yeah, I get you. I get what you're saying. Like professional women are for any other types of pleasure, you know? What? You went like this. 
Oh no, I meant cycle. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> like, what? Would you need to say something? The circle of life. So the reason why we, I really wanted to have this show was because um, I'm in my 30s, right? I'm in my late 30s now. And I didn't, I, I go to the gynecologist, sorry, the gynecologist, the gynecologist every year since I was like 17. Wait, but you also said that other word at the beginning with an O. Which one? So remember we're, and we're, hold on. What word was it? Damn it. Oh, clitoris. Yeah. Yes. So gyno, now you're saying sorry for saying it the other way? No, I just said it in a weird way. It's gynecologist. So I've been going to the gynecologist. <laughs> I was like, Good. Okay. Good. So I've been going. During this time of social isolation and self quarantine, you may not feel safe going to the bookstore or you don't want to wait for your books to arrive in the mail. Audible lets you take your books anywhere with you, no contact required. The best part of Audible is that you can listen to a new book while you're on the go or even at home, chilling, cooking, cleaning. Don't forget, you can also ask Alexa to play a book or podcast for you, Ebenistas. Who else is trying to learn something new? For me, it was Italian. So I used Audible to help me practice my skills. Give Audible a chance to help you learn something new by starting a free 30-day trial. That's audible.com backslash ebonistas, E-B-O-N-I-S-T-A-S. Audible has thousands of books that you can listen to. There's literally something for everyone, no matter what you're into. Oh, God. All right. Take seven. Um, So I've been going to the gynecologist since I was like 17. Like before I was even having sex, I just wanted to make sure everything was checked out. I was like, I just, just make sure, just make sure, just make sure, just make sure. And not once in all of the years that I was going and getting my annual paps and screenings, did anyone mention declining fertility? Not once. Um, I remember my sister mentioning it when she was getting close to 35 because she was saying she wanted to have you know, as many kids as she could before 35, because things start to go a little haywire. And I was like, that was the first that I had heard of it. I I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Then I looked it up and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like that's a thing. Despite the fact that again, I got checked out every year, it was never brought up. And this is a women's health wellness check. Why was that never brought up? So Keep in mind that when you get into your late 30s, yes, your fertility starts to decline. And if you do get pregnant, they consider it a geriatric pregnancy, which is ridiculous. The name alone, do better, people. Just do better. Um, and, and also, you, you start to increase the chances of having birth defects in your baby if you give birth after 35. I understand what you're saying about the name of the geriatric pregnancy, like the geriatric pregnancy. But at the same time, I kind of agree with it because I feel like it kind of, it really sets the tone for what that is and the severity of what that is. Like we're supposed, our prime biologically, our prime is our mid twenties, right? Our early twenties, mid twenties, biologically. Our prime is not supposed to be our mid thirties. So when they say like, okay, if you're going to have a child or you're going to get pregnant, you're mid thirties. Yeah. Like geriatric, like you're going to have an, you're, you're, you're older. I'm just thinking medically. I'm thinking medically. So I get all that. It does make sense because it's towards the end of your reproductive life. And so that's kind of why they call it a geriatric pregnancy, but I find it a little alarming as a woman to hear. Like, I just wish they had another 
term for it that didn't necessarily automatically equate with being elderly. I get you. I get you. I totally get you. Yeah. Like it, it didn't cause like panic almost into you. Like, oh my God, like I'm in my mid thirties and it's going to be like in really you're not even really halfway through your life or are you? I don't know. But then you have this existential crisis all of a sudden because someone's telling you that you're at that age. You know what I mean? So yeah, I get you. That's fair. So I would like to advise anyone who's out here listening. If you haven't had kids, if you still want to have kids, if you're just starting to think about it, you're not, it's not even a blip on your radar. Find out what your options are before it's too late. So one, a lot of people and a lot of women and men, if you have a partner, have them do this too. Get your ovarian ovarian reserves levels checked you can find out how much how many eggs you have left based off of the amh hormone and a doctor can perform it it's a simple blood test sometimes insurance will or won't cover it but trust me it's worth the cost to have an idea of how many fertile years you have left you'll be surprised how you don't want to deal with that fuck boy in your life anymore because you're like i got like four years left bro like we gonna have to wrap this up we're gonna have to wrap it up um, so, you know, if you're looking for some motivation to leave that dude, get your ovarian levels checked. You can also freeze your eggs if you want to add some more time to your clock, um, because there's so many other conditions that can happen later on in life. You can get sick. Um, you may have an infection or something else. So let's talk about some of those conditions real quick. And I'm not going to go through the full list of them. I'm just going to name off a few of them so that you can have an idea. So there's endometriosis, um, which can of course, affect your fertility, ovarian cysts, pelvic organ prolapse. Look that up. Ooh. Basically, when your what? Yeah, when your uterus falls through. Uh, it's not great. what? Yeah, uh, it's not great. Look that up. I'm not going to spend any time talking about that. Um, other than what I have said, um, there's also polycystic ovarian syndrome known as PCOS, which can affect your fertility and even basic vaginal infections can cause issues with your fertility. Um, And we're talking about like bacterial vaginosis. um, And, you know, even a lot of women who are like, girl, I don't care. I've had my kids, I'm done. And I want a hysterectomy. Do you know how many of my friends of late have been told that no, by their doctors that they cannot have a hysterectomy in case, quote unquote, they change their mind. It's their body, their choice, yet they don't even get to pick whether they have surgery to continue to have children or not because doctors, they have the right to say no, but they're like, yeah, we just don't feel comfortable doing that. And so I I know a couple of people that have had kids they are like, I begged for a hysterectomy and they would not give it to me. And now I have two more children. Like, is my OBGYN going to take care of these kids? because I you know so it, it's really tough it's really tough so know what your your reproductive health or concerns are and address them with your doctor and if your doctor's not telling what you want to hear there are a lot of others out there okay that will listen to you I wonder what like I wonder what like the reasonings are for like your friends that have heard no from their doctors for the hysterectomies like I wonder if like they're knows are motivated by like you might change your mind yes you know like you might you know what if your marriage doesn't work out and what if you meet someone else and you want to have a baby with them that kind of thing because those are what ifs and those are unknowns but at the same time that's your personal decision 
I don't so know. here's the uh, other part, I guess the medical part, it's not medically necessary. You don't have any health conditions. You have a perfectly healthy uterus, a perfectly healthy reproductive system. There's no reason to just yank this out of your body and basically put you through early menopause. It's not worth all of the side effects and stuff that will come with it. And, you know, so mm-hmm. I, that part I can understand, but it, it can be tough. It can be tough if you don't want to have children anymore. You know, you can get your tubes tied, but it can be difficult to just get a hysterectomy without having to completely pay for for it out of pocket or if you can find your doctor to do it now that makes yeah. sense and then i want to talk really quickly about stds another thing Ooh. that can affect your fertility now i said this in in like jess but just because you got that wet wet remember it could be the clap clap so <laughs> let's not get too comfortable and be like oh you know it's just nah sometimes if you're not aroused and you're extremely um moist i know a lot of people don't like that word down there uh it get it checked out ladies it, it it may not be normal if you have pain before during or after sex get it checked out that's not normal you can have a lot of issues from chlamydia genital herpes genital warts gonorrhea hpv pelvic inflammatory disease um there's syphilis trichomoniasis and viral hepatitis amongst others so it's not just oh about I don't want to pass this on to another partner, which of course you should get treated so that you don't do that. But having these conditions and if some of them are untreated, it can lead to infertility, difficulty conceiving, um, and it can cause a host of other issues. So if you think you got that wet wet and it's not from that doo-doo, get it checked out immediately. Oh my God. <laughs> Doreen, I love I said you. what I said. <laughs> So I had to stop really quick because I saw in your notes when you put chlamydia (laughs) and it just reminded me of my cats. I don't know if you remember this, but my cats have a history of um, STDs. So for anyone, don't be alarmed. Um, Cat STDs, animal STDs do not transfer over to humans. (laughs) They have their own. So we had a cat um, and we loved him. We had him for very many years. He had feline AIDS, which is transfers over to feline cancer kind of thing. But he had it for very long. He was okay until the very end, whatever. So that was the funny thing. But while we had him, we also adopted um, a kitten and she had chlamydia. She had chlamydia of the eye. And we found out because her eye was super goopy and like sticky. And we were like, what's wrong with your eye? Ew. And so the doctor eventually was like, she's got chlamydia. And so me and my husband, we typically come up with raps, just songs around the house. And so we came up with a song. We was like, she got chlamydia. Ah, She got chlamydia. Ah, ah, Chlamydia. Ah, So that's a great song. And I want to say that (laughs) <laughs> Y'all know that that can happen to humans too. Chlamydia in your eye, yep. your mouth, herpes in your eye, your mouth, your skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, things get real gross real fast. So just don't let that stripper put that thing thing in your face, face. Say no, thank you. Thank you for going through that, by the way. Because I, I just want to clarify something. The clap is trichomoniasis. It was very popular in the 80s. And I feel like it's kind of fell from prominence recently. Uh, because I think chlamydia and gonorrhea are the two most common STDs right now, but trichomoniasis is easily passed on through sex. So yeah, that also causes discharge and I can't remember mm-hmm. what else. But again, we are not medical professionals. So that's why I'm not going to go through all the symptoms. If you have something that's questionable, please get it checked out. Yes. And don't wait for um, someone else to tell you to go get treated or go get checked out. 
I'm very big on that. Go do it yourself. There is no shame. Um, doesn't matter what age you are, you start having sex, you start being sexually active, doesn't matter. Go get checked, all that stuff. So the big one, female um, health, um, what we're here for with cervical health this month is um, HPV. About 79 million people, most in their late teens and early 20s are currently infected with HPV and an additional 14 million are estimated to be infected each year. So listen up. I need you guys to listen closely. We're gonna throw out some numbers and ages at you because if you're here, then, or you have family members or kids or what having these numbers um, and these age groups, you just wanna make sure that, hey, you go ahead and get this vaccine and make sure everyone's safe, okay? So the CDC recommends that HPV vaccinations for 11 and 12 year olds, boys and girls, and then for young women ages 13 through 26 and young men 13 through 21, um, you guys go ahead and get those vaccines. It's really important. Um, it's not recommended surprisingly for those who are older than 26 years old, but there are some adults that are 27 through 45 who may not have been vaccinated, who they may decide to go ahead and get the vaccination and um, just go ahead and talk to your doctor. So That's cool. I was always under the assumption that unless you were in your teenagers, it wouldn't be effective. So I didn't know you could get it when you were older than that. I, that's, this is news to me. I guess it just depends, you know, like, again, like it said, it's a go talk to your doctor, see what happens kind of thing. See what they say. Um, I learned something new um, recently, actually, that if you were diagnosed with HPV in your teens um, or early 20s, and then all of a sudden you get a pap smear or you get, you know, your um, sorry for males. If you get your test, what have you physical, we're going to call that a uh, men's wellness check, men's wellness check. I was going to say men's pap smear, but then I was like, that's not the same jabby. Um, <laughs> give it the old in out, in out. Um, <laughs> it's not the same, but it can just kind of go away. Yeah and cure it like it just goes away so that's something that i learned recently and um hey that's cool that's great but you do want to make sure that again that you are going to your doctor on a regular cycle um and at the recommended timings because um hpv if left untreated can lead to very serious cancers and um yeah not good uh, I know a lot of parents are very hesitant to talk to their children about this, um, but you got to do it. I'm sorry. Just rip off the Band-Aid. Go ahead and do it. If you can, get your kids vaccinated. I remember, um, I don't think I even talked to my mom actually about it. Um, I think I just went ahead and did it. And I've always just kind of been like that um, since I was a teenager. I've just kind of always just been like, eh. I know about this. I've always just been kind of um, sex ed educated. Sex ed, that was kind of redundant, huh? Whatever. Bleh. But I went ahead and did it. I went to my doctor and I was like, I know that there's a shot for HPV. I heard that everyone's getting it and that it's supposed to be good for me. Can you tell me more? And she was like, yeah, I can tell you more. And I was like, okay, can you do it? <laughs> 
I think it was like, I think I was actually, I think it was like 20 or something like that. I just didn't know. And I was like, okay, can you do it? And she did it. And it is what it is. So dudes, we don't want to leave you out. We understand men's health, women's health. At the end of the day, we're all about each other. We want to keep each other healthy. Um, the, the biggest issue is that women sometimes are still being seen as reproductive beings and not being seen as human beings as, you know, as a whole. Um, in many parts of the world, and is the cause of so many non-reproductive health problems being under-researched and under-diagnosed, and while reproduction is over-medicalized. So um, I read this book while I was preggers, and it brought up the conversation of how women's health has been dominated by men um, throughout history. But there was one in particular, there's a book called uh, Medicine is Patriarchal, but alternative medicine is not the answer by Arian Chavisi. Chavisi. <laughs> I'm sorry about the last name. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, Doreen. <laughs> so in talking about, I guess, women's health. So I do want to start and talk about men's health for a second. Um, I remember there was a story of a friend of mine about, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend. And she was a... I think she had she had just finished studying like STDs and stuff like that. And she started dating this new guy. They were getting ready to get intimate. And when she looked down there, she was like, uh, you have herpes. And he was like, no, no, no. My wife, who he had just gotten separated from, um, this is like over 10, 12 years ago. Um, he was like, no, my wife told me that those are just like uh, ingrown hairs. And she was like, but do you shave? And he was no. like, no. She's like, so then those are not ingrown hairs. So basically his wife had cheated on him, contracted herpes, passed it on to him and lied to him about what it was so that he wouldn't know. He didn't really go get checked out. He didn't go to the doctor. They didn't look down there. So he literally for almost five or six years thought that he had ingrown hairs despite the fact that he didn't shave because that's what his wife told him. And he found out later on that it was actually herpes. So men please be careful as well like if you notice something's weird if you have a weird discharge if you see something that's abnormal if it it hurts to pee if you're having pain with sex if you you know notice anything off go get checked out we have to have we as women have to have we're supposed to have an annual pap smear where we get checked out every year because of the high risk of something going wrong for you guys, it may not cause infertility necessarily, but it can cause issues and you definitely don't want to pass something on to your partner because you are unsuspecting or you don't know about something. First of all, my face says it all. Second of all, um, the one year thing is no longer true. Hasn't been for a while. Okay, um, so I want to talk about that, but go ahead. I mean, and I'm uncomfortable with it only because I'm just like super like, I like to go to my doctor. I'm like, here, I want to go get get my physical. I want to go see my dentist. I see my dentist a lot. Um, I'm just a medical person. I'm like, I just, I even though I hate it, I just understand that it's important. Um, but yeah, um, it changed. It changed from going every, I think, three years to you can now go every five years if everything is okay with you if you're totally fine or something like that so i i actually this had kind of popped up recently for me i went to my primary care and i was like oh it's time for my annual pap and she was like no 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 you know that the advice has changed mm -hmm. it's every three years now unless there's something wrong and i was like yep. what no i'm coming every year i remember in college i remember having <laughs> this is yeah i finally got an insurance and i didn't have to pay for it 
and I would go to the OBGYN all the time. Like I was like in there, like nobody's business. And I remember one time the doctor came to me and she was like, so she's like, don't get undressed, just sit down. Let's just talk. I was like, okay. She's like, you haven't had sex in over a year and a half. You've been here this year four times. I don't know what you're looking for, but you don't have anything. I was like, well, I heard that AIDS can lie dormant in your system. And so sometimes, so I just want to make sure. And she was like, it's too much. It's too much. You need to stop coming so much. Okay. And I was like, but, but I just want to be safe. Please let me be safe. And she's like, you're fine. You don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I had to have an intervention. Oh my god! She's like, you I need an intervention. I love it. I fucking love it. So, talking about some weird things that have happened to women's bodies, yeah. uh, clitoral removal, uh, also known as female circumcision, I call it female mutilation. But hey, used to be practiced in many cultures, and it actually still is in some African cultures, and maybe others that we don't know about. But it was really popular in Africa. I think it's really barbaric and they have a lot of different reasons, but yeah, it's crazy. Can I just say really quick that there's a lot of people that will disagree with this and that's because of tradition, unfortunately, but male circumcision is the same thing as male mutilation, just FYI. But we'll talk about that on a later date. Just think about that and read up on it. So I do remember watching a documentary about male circumcision and they were saying like the decreased amount of sensation the risk of infection a lot of times even the pe- I mean I say a lot of times but there are small there's a small chance that your the penis can be mutilated and never be the same again um botched circumcisions is a real thing sometimes they take off too much it's it's it yeah it's it is mutilation again watching 90 day fiance the early the newest season um, in tradition, they're like, oh, the guy's like um, Orthodox Christian, I think. And um, he was talking about, he goes to his wife, he goes, well, if the baby gets the circumcision now, the baby can't feel it. And I was like, so you're telling me that your child, the human being child that you have, can't feel it when someone is cutting off skin. Or, or something with nerve endings off of him. That's what you think? You think that your child can't feel that? Like that is such an ignorant and stupid thing to think. That's not what you're saying. What you're saying is that you can deal with and you would rather deal with a baby crying about their genitals being mutilated rather than a grown person screaming at you, my genitals have been cut. So to his point though up until recently and we're talking in the past few years it was thought to be the a medical advice that babies do not feel the same level of pain that adults do because they don't have the ability to communicate so they just thought that they just don't feel it as well and what? i know that sounds crazy but that's literally what doctors thought when? When? that they couldn't feel it they don't have the same that their their nerves weren't developed they, they didn't have the same pain receptors that what? they could handle it more and a lot of times they would go through surgery have major things without anesthesia because they thought they couldn't feel the pain no are you fucking kidding me yes you i kid Lorraine. you not okay i'm sorry maybe i just no because like to me like 
I'm not going to say no, because like, I, I, I believe you obviously, but that thought process to me doesn't make fucking sense. Like we know that if we hurt a child or a baby, we automatically, or if a child is hurt, we're like even more like concerned about it because we're like, Oh my God, like it hurts so much. Like if we are automatically, our nature is to coddle that child or that baby because we're like, they can't handle that pain. They don't know how to handle that pain, but you think that you can conduct surgery and that they don't feel it as much for some, what, I'm, like what logic so is I, that? I don't knock him because he, he's probably been taught that by doctors and his religion. Like, oh, the babies don't feel it. It's temporary for them. It's no big deal. They can't feel it the same way that you would. So I, I, I don't knock him for that because literally medical professionals believe this too. Okay. So let's finish this last part. And then I have something to say about that. So um, I do remember the first time I really heard about female circumcision, female mutilation was in the a book by Alice Walker. She also wrote the color purple. It's called hmm. in possessing the secret joy where they talk about Tashi, who's the main character. And her best friend is Olivia, who, surprise, surprise, is the sister that was missing in The Color Purple. So this is kind of their story. And they're in Africa. And even though Tashi spent most of her life in the U.S., she was still born of an African mother. And she can remember when her older sister went through her rite of passage, which was you get to a certain age and they remove your clitoris. And she remembers her sister bleeding to death from the surgery. And she was still fighting to take it, to, to have the same thing done to her. And she was talking with her friend Olivia about it. And she was like, you don't understand. You're not African. Like this means a lot to our culture, a lot to our family. I won't be married off. I won't have this, you know, the same opportunities. This is about, you know, like it's about history and honoring our ancestors. And like, there was so much more to it than that. And it was just, they're just removing your ability to feel pleasure when procreating. Like, and it just, but again, the same thing, men get circumcised because of religion. It's part of their pact with God. So it, I understand how it could happen, but I just had never heard of it until this book. So if you guys have some chance, like a chance, take a look. It's a good book. I mean, everything she wrote was amazing. So yeah, Alice Walker for the win. That's a bigger conversation to be had. And you don't you don't want to infiltrate at the same time of these older cultures, these this history, because it is precious. It really is, you know, some of the, this information that they have, these stories that they have, the way that they've built their culture, it really is precious. But the way that they sometimes say they would live their lives, um, these surgeries and, you know, the way they view sex and women and men and all this stuff, it's detrimental and they don't even realize it because they're stuck in their ways. Um, there has to be a balance. So that is a bigger, bigger conversation. And um, I, I don't even doubt that we're going to have a conversation about that later because we discuss it all. So the next thing um, and the last thing that we are going to talk about is something called Johanna's Law. And it's also known as a gyne gynecologist. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Whew. At least I said Johanna's law correctly, right? Flawless. I don't say Johanna either. Mm. Johanna. Oh. oh, get the fuck. No. No. Joanna. No, Johanna. Johanna. Oh my God. Okay. No. Say it again. Yeah. 
Joanna. Oh my god. Okay. Johanna's law. Joanna's. Joanna's. Write that? Joanna's? Joanna. Joanna's. Joanna. Oh, wait, there's an S. Yeah, it's Joanna's. Joanna's law. Yeah. Well, well you, you say Johanna. But but you have to say, but you have to say it with the S because it's yes. Yes. possessive. Bring it up to modern times. Um, we've made so many strides with all this. So there is a thing called Johanna's law, also known as the giant. Gynecologic. How many times do we do this? Gynecologic. Okay. Gyna. Gynecologic. There we go. Say it Gyne- fast. Gynecologic. 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 There you go. You got it now. Gynecologic Cancer Education Awareness Act promotes the education of women uh, to increase awareness of gynecologic cancer, which include ovarian, uterine slash endometrial, cervical, vaginal, and vulvar cancers, and the risk factors and symptoms. It was named for a school teacher named Johanna Silver Gordon, who died of ovarian cancer in 2000, aged 58. Um, Senator Barack Obama co-sponsored it when the bill was introduced to the Senate on June 6, 2005, and was signed into law on January 12, 2007 by George W. Bush. Surprise, surprise. Look at us working together. So um, female health, even though it became a... It was men's health, actually, hundreds and years ago. And, but if history has taught us anything, it is up to women, especially women of color, um, to take back their health care needs and make it ours. You know, like we need to take charge of this. Do not learn about your health care from men. Do not leave it in the hands of the men that you're having sex with. Do not leave it in the hands of men who are treating you. I get that there are men gynecologists and OBGYNs, I get it, but you need to take care of your health. You need to find your voice. Not everything is determined by your doctor. Do your own research. It's okay to do your own research. Um, Google is not end all be all, but it, it is helpful. So. That's just my advice to everyone. So, so my parting words would be, don't think that you can look at someone and tell if they are clean, if they don't have an STD, mm. if they're not going to pass it to you, if you love me, you don't have to use protection. There's so many traps when it comes to sex, like do not fall for it. If you're uncomfortable, it's okay to say no. It's a trap. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say, I don't want to. It's okay to set boundaries. And if someone does something to your body that you didn't give them permission to do, that's not okay under any conditions, whether it's your husband, your boyfriend, your anybody. No, it's not okay. It's yours. You get to choose what happens to it. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So, all right, everyone. Thank you again for joining us for a really special episode. Um, we really hope that you took something away from this episode. Um, whether you feel like you know everything about um, female health, men's health, what have you, we just hope you found some type of comfort in listening to this. And also please make sure that you check out our uh, Spotify playlist that's gonna go with this because I mm. can guarantee you there's gonna be some beggars on there, uh, oh. you know. Eh. Okay, eh. all right. Eh. Eh. <laughs> I want you to park that. 
big Mack truck right in this little garage. It was she nasty. She nasty. All right. <laughs> so um, this, just FYI, this episode was so important to us. We actually scratched our original episode so we can make sure that the ladies were represented this month. Um, it is um, Cervical Care Awareness Month. Um, we are working on getting our blog up to date with plenty of resources, um, not just for today's episode, but our previous ones as well, including mental health, family issues, friends, work, et cetera. We got you, okay? One-stop shop, the Ebenistas. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. Visit us on the socials. And you know what? We're going to chat soon. You know us. We're here for you. So we'll check you soon. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye. The Ebenesis Podcast was created, written, recorded, and produced by Jabby and Doreen. Theme music by Chris Black of Truck Music Productions.